0: Well, hello everybody. Welcome to The Mailback. It's me, Marcus Speller, and he, Andy Brassell. Hello. How are you? Is that just a shout out to everybody? How are you? Or was that specifically for me, Andy?
1: Um, it's, it's for everyone.
0: It's yeah, for everyone.
1: I want to know how the Ramblers are, but but they they know that as well.
0: I'll answer on behalf of everybody and say we are doing very well because we're in your company, Andy. <laughs>
1: Uh, Have you recovered from um, the the strange reversal of roles we had on uh, Jules and Andy? It was a bit like that film Freaky Friday, really, wasn't it? Where, where what was it, Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan swap bodies?
0: Mm. I've never actually seen Freaky Friday, and I feel I'm all the poorer for it. Well, you know what?
1: Get on it. We've got time on our hands at the moment, so why not? Just uh, get it polished off before the start of the Premier League season. Maybe try and introduce it to the the, the, the film club on, on the Ramble. Mm, I mean, absolutely. Like, like whatever the, the remake of Freaky Friday is like, I mean, it can't be worse than Goal 3, can it?
0: Andy, nothing can be worse than Goal 3. It really... Ah, uh, Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. It'll annoy me.
1: What's the worst film of those ones that you guys have seen
0: for you? Goal 3, easily. Right, okay. It's so bad, so painfully bad. Like Soccer Dog, I don't know if it's called Soccer Dog 2 or just Soccer Dog European Cup. Like Like it's pitifully bad, but it knows it is. You know what I mean? Like it kind of it's it's setting itself up as like a kids' film, a load of nonsense. And I'm sure if I was a child watching it, I would get some enjoyment. Goal three, there's nothing, absolutely nothing for for, for anyone in there. It's, it's, you see, um,
1: I used to I used to measure the quality of things on a scale of golf films. So if <laughs> if something was if something was brilliant, yeah. it was Caddyshack. If it was moderate and acceptable, it was The Legend of Bag of Vance. And if it yep. was absolutely irredeemably terrible, it was Tin Cup.
0: Oh, right. Okay. I don't think I've seen the first two of those films.
1: You've not seen Caddyshack? Oh, no. my goodness.
0: Who's in Tin Cup? That's not Kevin Costner, is it?
1: Yeah, it's Kevin Costner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That one's okay. If it's really not. Is it rubbish, is it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's terrible.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm thinking of for the one with Adam Sandler.
1: Happy Gilmore.
0: Happy Gilmore. Are <laughs> hey, you talking? What did you think of Happy Gilmore? That was all right.
1: I've not seen Happy Gilmore. I've, only, know, seen, I've only seen, seen the trailer.
0: Gilmore. All right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Enough of this, Tosh. Andy, as much as I'm enjoying <laughs> it, I'm sure the list. <laughs> yeah. We've got Pete's Film Club. That exists in another sphere, um, thank goodness. But let us begin uh, with – I'm going to mash two questions together, Andy. If if, uh, you're If you're all right with that. Questions from Tyler and from Joey, or as a collective, Toey. And uh, <laughs> well, I could have gone for Gyler, I suppose, but I went for Tui. Um Well, Tyler's asking, I'm curious what kind of financial impact the coronavirus is going to have on the smaller leagues around Europe. They seem most susceptible to trouble with uh, having to play behind closed doors. And Joey says, how do you expect the transfer window to shape up this summer, especially with different leagues potentially starting at different times?
1: They're interesting questions. And um, Mm. if we start with Tyler's on the financial impact of of the coronavirus having on the smaller leagues around Europe, well, I guess we're going to find out some of that already with the restart of um, Portugal and going below that, Poland, Denmark, etc. I know where he's coming from because... Um, TV money is not necessarily such a, a big part of the pie. And mm-hmm. that has been the case with um, the leagues being written off in uh, Belgium, the Netherlands. Um, it's, it's not such a, a big part of it. So there's not a compulsion to continue or not such a compulsion to continue mm-hmm. because TV money props up everything. It's something we mentioned on OTC this this week actually that if you look at say the biggest clubs in, in Portugal look at Porto and Benfica um, they make about 90 million euros a year each um, through TV now mm-hmm. if you compare that to say France which I think is a, a slightly more high spec league but you know I, I don't think people would look at it on the same level as Serie A or the Bundesliga Mm-hmm. Um uh obviously Paris Saint-Germain get in um with with their budget, um their budget goes up to about six hundred and eighty million euros. It's um what about about 320 for for Leon and a little a little bit less for, for Marseille. Um so obviously there'll there, there'll be a there'll be a cut in those those budgets, but um I, I think it'll be interesting to see in, in Portugal, for example, um, the clubs that will, um, the bigger clubs could could actually be affected more going forward, I, I think, because if you look at Porto, Benfica and Sporting, they get fans in the stadium. Mm-hmm. That's not so much the case. You look at some of the crowds um, for teams like um, Porto Menense, uh, Gil Vicente, even a club that's we're currently fifth at the time of recording in Rio Ave, they're not a massive club by any stretch of the imagination. And we've talked before about um, how difficult it was for clubs to, um, medium to small clubs to support bigger stadiums post-Euro 2014 um, because they weren't getting many fans in. So, I mean, you look at um, outside the, the big one, the big three, obviously of uh, Porto, Sporting, Benfica, and then you've got Braga to a lesser extent, Gimenez, and you're not really getting big crowds anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on in that sense, like, losing the money is obviously um, from fans is is obviously a big deal. But I think if if you're looking at how it will affect them in not just a domestic, but a European sense, because we know that, say, um, Porto are always going to be bigger than Porto Malense, or Benfica are always going to be bigger than Tondela. Um, if people stop coming, then th- thats is, that, that is going to be a bigger dent in, say, Benfica's Budget, it's going to be a bigger financial loss to to, to Benfica than than it mm-hmm. is to Gil Vicent. So, that's that's an issue, and um, that's that's something that I, I guess will, will affect them um, going forward and, and competing with the rest of Europe. Of course, the rest of Europe will be in similar situations. And another thing, interestingly, we, we we mentioned in OTC this week was the fact that following, I guess, the example of the, the Bundesliga, maybe. It's just a placebo, as, as as me and Luke mentioned, to keep um, supporters and especially ultra groups on side. Uh-huh. Um, well, the fact that in both Italy and Portugal have sort of dangled the carrot of, well, we could let some fans in for the end of the season, mm. which uh, to both of us seemed enormously ambitious. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. It's it it, it seems. As if it's is something that's in the minds of people, certainly in in um, respect of Germany, um, I, I, admittedly, Germany has clearly been on top of this situation, not just obviously they've been allowed to restart the Bundesliga mm-hmm. because of how the pandemic's been governed on a political level. That's created the conditions for for them to have the option of of bringing it back. but even in the first meetings, that they had between uh the thirty-six professional clubs of the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga Five. Um the, the clubs were told to budget for not having any fans for the, the rest of the rest of, of, of twenty twenty and um they were told to not factor in gate receipts at all for the twenty twenty one season. Now mm. that may seem to many like a the doomsday scenario, but I think that bit of future planning is really, really important. and It seemed alarmist, I think, to a lot of people who heard about it at at the time, but I think it's just sensible because for so long, football has been run on a best-case scenario rather than a worst-case scenario, which presumably is what most businesses should run on.
0: Um, No slack uh, in the system, Andy
1: yeah ex- ex- exactly so it's um it'd be interesting to see if in that sense germany takes a, a a bit of a leap forward in the european hierarchy and the fact that they've not necessarily invested in the in the biggest transfers over time that the tv deal that everyone's always said um well bayern specifically have, have said could be bigger um that they've been a bit frustrated by limits in, in terms of what supporters groups have have allowed, and in the amount of stuff that's that's given over to to, to public broadcasters. It'd be interesting to see if that works in 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 the, in the favour of the Bundesliga. Um, but going back to to Tyler's question, it will be interesting to see what happens in in the smaller leagues around Europe, because I think the biggest effect. When you get down to like maybe um, leagues like Croatia for example, I think it rolls into Joey's question about how the transfer window will shape up because of course for let, let's take one of the biggest clubs in those say third tier leagues or, or, or whatever um, if you, if you look at Dinamo Zagreb and how much money they habitually make through transfers if that money, is not out there. I mean, that's a hugely, hugely negative mm. effect on them. And you, you could say that for clubs in, in Belgium and, and and France as well, going a bit further up, couldn't you?
0: Okay, interesting, Andy. I mean, yeah, we hope the situation uh, looks a little bit rosier in, in the coming months, but we should have to wait and see, of course.
1: As, as we, again, as we touched on in OTC this week, I would expect the market to be quite slow. I mean, when we're talking about prices being depressed, I mean, there are some clubs who simply won't sell their talents if they don't feel they can get reasonable value for them and you know I think uh, in, unless they're in dire financial straits they'll want the transfer market to reinflate at least to some degree rather than selling exquisite young players at, at bargain prices um, but Joey's point about the different leagues potentially starting at different times I, I think this is quite important as, as well and it's something that's been talked about in France that there might be stages, different stages of transfer window. So for example, um, there will be a transfer window that's just French clubs dealing with each other for a month or so, which I think is quite an interesting idea. I think that's something you could see in lots of other leagues. And I think when it comes to... um, travel to adaptation in terms of the players who in, in many cases might be anxious about being away from their families i would expect there to be more business internally in in european countries and mm-hmm. um of course there will still be transfers across the continent between different different clubs from different countries i think that's that's inevitable but i do expect that business to be a little bit slower and i wonder if other leagues, of course, France, because they haven't got any football on at the moment, have got more of a chance to think about it and more of a chance to plot it out. I wonder if there will be some purely domestic transfer windows in a lot of these leagues, and then, almost like a sort of footballing Venn diagram, there will be some sort of pan-European window, or maybe even two later in the year, two shorter ones later in the year.
0: Selon nos informations, uh, Mauro Icardi hésiterait entre rester au Paris Saint-Germain et aller à la Juventus de Turin. L'Inter de Milan, uh, s'est mis d'accord avec les deux clubs pour un montant de transfert. Uh, qui... uh, let's move on to uh, Mason's question. Big Mace is in the place and he says, I've been thinking <laughs> England have a bit of a golden generation, Mason. Come on. Uh, but that, his words, um, and he did put them in uh, in speech marks. Uh, England, Are those his words? Golden.
1: I mean, uh, speech marks. Uh, I mean, it implies he's quoting you, really, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, but me. I think he's <laughs> quoting a lot of unhelpful people around uh, the the noughties, the mid noughties. But anyway, sorry, Mason, i d- done you a disservice there. Um, he said, I think I've been thinking England have a bit of a golden generation coming through. Sancho Greenwood Foden. Uh, etc etc interesting you put Greenwood and and Foden in in a golden generation we've yet to wait and see them uh, properly in England shirts but we uh, but we take the point Mason Uh, but then I look at Germany and with Havertz Werner etc question is are England actually considered to have that much of a standout crop of youngsters coming through and if not what's the future of the other major European nations looking like in this regard now i know we've spoken or rather you've spoken about the dutch and and the portuguese on on this andy uh, a, a few times and feel free to uh to speak on them again because uh, mason did cite uh, portugal as one of having quite a lot of talent coming through but but england first what, what, what do you think of this generation of of england youngsters coming through and and what do other people in other countries uh think of them
1: I think what they think in other countries is at least as important, if not more important, um, mm. because um, England on so many levels has got this reputation for insularity. And yep. I think especially the, the Premier League can make us a, a little bit like that. And this mm-hmm. is the global success of the Premier League can make us a, a little bit like that. Um but, but yes, England are considered to have a really good crop of youngsters coming through. And I think if you go back a couple of years in the Bundesliga, you look at um, not just Jaden Sancho, um, but if you look across to Borussia Mönchengladbach um, and uh, you look at Mandela Egbo um, going over there and it it's not really worked out to the the same degree, but of course you've got Rabin Matondo, um, a mm-hmm. British youngster, I should say, because of course he's Welsh. Uh, going to going to Schalke, um, Max Ebel, the sporting director of Borussia Mönchengladbach, um, has for a couple of years been talking quite excitedly about the English youngsters coming through, and he saw an opportunity and. Um, I think you know. You look at Reese Oxford as, as as well going out there. Of course, he's riding the bench at, at Augsburg at, at, at the moment. Um, you know, it's, it's not it's not a secret, and really, it's not just about. I don't think the crop of youngsters coming through. It's about, and Germany would be the first country to recognise this because of the turnaround um, that's happened in um, the emphasis on producing players and the, the sort of players they produce. Which, of course, Raphael Honigstein covered brilliantly in his his, his book Das Reboot is the the, yeah, the way of producing players. It's it's the the methodology rather than necessarily the players themselves that's that's important because. Of course, you can't really you can't really legislate for particularly great generations. I mean, sometimes they either, they either happen or they don't. You know, it's it's a case of mm-hmm. of talent as well as nurturing. So, um, yeah, people are excited about the, the the players coming through, but I think as well, what Max Ebel correctly identified is the fact that um, these players are coming through, but maybe there's not quite high enough level for for them to land, and that's something that he felt that he could take advantage of. That Borussia Dortmund definitely took advantage mm-hmm. of with Jaden Sancho, and of course Phil Foden before he signed his new deal. Because these things perpetuate each other. Phil Foden was 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 linked with Borussia Dortmund as well. Well, if,
0: he? yeah, if he'd have gone there, Andy, he, he, he would have played, you know, at least. You know, a dozen more games. You know, in the league, possibly even more. And this is yeah. th- this is why it's quite pleasing from an English point of view to see someone like Sancho be offered a deal at Manchester City. Stay, he's gone. No, you're you're not going to play me. I'm a young man. I want to play football, and 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 seeing like a lot of youngsters go over to Germany in, in particular. It's so not you, you. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, of course, where there was there was never any England players playing abroad. We, there was there was a little spell in the nineties where a few went over, but then I think in the ninety eight World Cup, it was England and Iran were the only two countries to have players that were 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 all uh, playing for clubs within uh, their own domestic leagues, and Iran was because they couldn't leave the country or something like that, you know. And in and in, pre, in 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 subsequent World Cups, mm. unless it was maybe Beckham. Or not? Where well, I wouldn't be a well. Yeah, Beckham. Maybe you be been Real Madrid, and and then maybe Owen Hargreaves. Uh, off the top of my head, you know, it, it, they were always playing in the Premier League, and there was always that. I suppose <sighs> they lacked a bit of the what you might call sort of street wisdom that other players had from having played in different cultures and and different coaching techniques and so on. And, and often, mm. coaching is seen as more thorough sometimes in in other leagues. So to have English players uh, go and play abroad and to, to learn, you know what it's like, And you go abroad, you're going you're gonna to learn no matter what, and football's mm. no different to that. But I still think England struggle to produce the players who, who, especially those central midfielders who control a game, who can um, really, like, I can't see England producing a Frankie de Jong Anytime soon, but then I suppose you know that is a once in a generation type of player. But it's it's a bit like Harry Winks has not played that much with Spurs. I know he's had a few injuries and so on. But I'd love I'd love to see these players go and actually play abroad. But then of course it is their life, you know. I'm saying, why don't you just go over there and play? He said, Well, hang on, my family here and so on, so so I get that sort of thing. But do you know what I mean by that, Andy? That how I do? Maybe someone like Sancho and and the others who are just thinking, no, I'd rather go and play football. And it's interesting for Sancho because he's playing at Borussia Dortmund and, and all sorts of clubs are being linked with him, whether it be Manchester United or even Real Madrid. Sancho's actually, he's having a lovely old time because he's playing for a huge club who are going to um, the, the knockout rounds of the Champions League and, and were close to, to knocking out Paris Saint-Germain, not, not far off it, one of the elite clubs now in Europe. Mm. He's playing in front of, what is it, 70,000 or something like that, fans? You know, 80. 80 yeah, I mean, I've not yeah. been to the stadium, but I would imagine you'd be hard-pressed to find a better atmosphere around Europe, as, as I'm led to believe, and I know you've been there. So even if he did go to Real Madrid, you're not necessarily guaranteed medals because Barcelona are, 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 are slightly better, although I know Messi... Maybe in a few years' time, you know, he might retire. Although he could do a Cristiano Ronaldo, and we'll see how long he can continue. But at Dortmund, yes, Bayern are there, but he's on such a good thing that again, he can be a bit choosy and just wait because he's playing for a fantastic club. Everything's good, and and he's not kind of pressured into thinking, oh, blimey, if I don't make that move, then then I'll miss out. There's there's no pressure on him, so I think he's in a, fa- a fabulous situation. Yeah,
1: you're right, and he's, he's totally taken ownership of that situation, Marcus. As, as mm. you say, he's, he's he's backed himself, he's backed his ability. And just remember, something we mentioned recently, how dumbfounded Pep Guardiola was when yeah. Sancho yeah. left. He, he, he couldn't get his head around it at all. But Sancho's gamble, if that's what it was, has, has, has paid off, and and then some. But I, I think sometimes, when we talk about um, English um players not not really spreading their wings and you know not being not being brave enough to take that leap or perhaps being too concerned with money because they can earn more playing like riding the bench at a, a, a Premier League club i think we can assume sometimes i'm not sitting here as someone in their 40s saying i know exactly what young people are thinking or anything like yeah, that but <laughs> course, yeah. but with with interaction with um uh, younger people, and actually, actually my own children as well, mm-hmm. I think that that um, we can assume a lot about, you know, the next generation is going to be like us, or the next generation of footballers is going to be like the, the, the senior generation of footballers now. And I think that's a massive assumption. Just as um, Melissa Reddy was saying on um, Jules and Andy earlier in the week, how... Uh, young players are prepared to speak out on social issues, and players under twenty-three are different nowadays. I think they're different in so many ways. Now, I look mm-hmm. at um, the, the way even my kids absorb football, and you know, you think it's all about the Premier League, and yeah, at the top end, it, it kind of is. When when you get to Liverpool and Manchester City and Arsenal and Spurs, etc., I oh, know they're eighth and ninth at the moment, but let's gloss over that. The, the, the fact <laughs> is that, that they are far more interested through the globalization of football and um, playing FIFA. They're far more interested in Real Madrid, Dortmund, uh, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, Barcelona than they are in Aston Villa and Southampton. Uh, th- those are far more relevant to them. So I would suggest that someone like Jaden Sancho was saying, oh, it's a huge leap. You know what, mentally, culturally to a degree it is. And you know, he's he's had the support of a, a very good family and he's he's acknowledged that. But I think in in terms of when you actually break it down, it's less than an hour flight from, from London to Dortmund. Mm. And you know, he's I think he's familiar with Dortmund, like not just as a as a club, as a football entity, as a brand. Like, because of the, the sort of generation he's he's come from. So I think for, for future players, it's not such a massive leap. And when Mason brings up, looking at Germany and Havertz-Werner, Werner's been about for a little bit longer as well, of course. But if you're someone like Sancho or maybe, maybe one of his peers, I think you can look over, especially now, at players like Havertz and Werner. And not only, of course, they're exceptional talents, but there's never been any question of, of them getting a go in the first team. If you compare how much experience they have at this stage, I mean, it's fantastic, isn't it? You know, they've, yeah. they've, they've had a go. And Germany's becoming more and more known for that. When... when um, Mason asks about the other European nations. I mean, the the one that stands out, as always, is France. And, like, the names trip off the tongue. Dio Dio Pumikano, Nuri Mukiele, Ibrahima Konate, just at Leipzig, and then on top of that, you got Yusemawa, uh, Christopher Nkunku, uh, Jeff Wren, Adelaide, Eduardo Camavinga, who's only seventeen but has been doing a brilliant job. Uh, um, Ren this season, Marcus Turam. But mm-hmm. I think interestingly, Killian a lot in of those, play. <laughs> yeah. The, the, well, there you go. He's he's that age, isn't he? Yeah. But, <laughs> but most of those players that I've I've mentioned, of course, Apumikano, Mukiele. Um, to Ram it's all in the Bundesliga. Yeah. So n- yeah. not not only are mm-hmm. they developing their their own players um but as well I think kids from other European countries think oh yeah well you know what I can go to Germany play at a really high level and 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 succeed. So if we're talking about I suppose going back to the the heart of the question if we're talking about you know which European nations have a a great future because of their young players, I still think France are above and beyond. You know, you look at the sort of players that they're producing, it's it's absolutely outstanding. But I think in terms of players being able to contribute that little bit more at international level, I think you're absolutely right, Marcus, in terms of if they do get to play abroad, widening their palette, their cultural palette and their footballing palette, is of enormous advantage to the national team, in my opinion.
0: Golden generation, it is, Mason. That's what we've got on our hands. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. Um, well, yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure Mason will be very pleased that we answered his question when I put the the uh, when I put the signal up on the on the uh, on the thread on the Discord. Mason said that he just said, "I stand by my question." And, uh, and Mason, we stood next to you. You didn't think we were, but we did. <laughs> And we've uh, we've answered that question together in in many ways, or in other ways, Andy did. So uh, that's the that's the we've reached the end of the time our time on the mailbag, and uh, it's been it's been lovely uh, hearing you uh, inform and educate us, Andy, on the game of football. And um, do get your questions in on the on the uh, mailbag thread on Discord uh, because we absolutely love that. Uh, but until then, Andy, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And when I say until then, I mean until next week, of course. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you on the thread, everybody. But an absolute pleasure. And we'll see you next week on Das Mailbag. Ta-ta. Now, what more? Is More again. He's found another good ball, and they really should score again. Azard's up there. Sancho might go alone, and he does for a hat-trick. How about that for the England international? This was a Stakhanov production.